Everybody, welcome in to a special edition of the Daily Energy Newsbeat Stand Up here on this gorgeous Friday, June 2nd, 2023. As always, I'm your humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, coming to you from an undisclosed location here in Dallas, Texas, bringing you our weekly recap where we highlight some of our best segments from the week. It's unfortunately a, a week loaded with solo shows with me. So if you don't like me, I would tune out of this episode. So um, I'm sure we will have horrible listens on this one, but uh, I mostly kid. Um, Stu was out most this week on assignment, so is a lot of me. I talked much about you know what's going on with this uh, debt uh, debacle. Um, oil prices continue to slump. We actually had a nice little positive day here today, actually trading up over seventy dollars, which was good considering the week was down. Um, we talked also a lot about some clean energy bills. Me and Stu did record a couple of shows earlier in the week, which I'm sure we'll pull some segments from. The team does a great job of queuing that up. As always, guys, I, I want to give a quick shout out Denver Nuggets. They play tonight here in about actually 45 minutes. So I'm, I'm recording this June 1st, Thursday here. It's about 620. Um, Nuggets tip off on the NBA finals. Um, they are playing um, the Miami Heat as a proud Denverite. Go Nuggets. First time we've ever been in the finals. So I'm soaking it all up. Hopefully we can come back. And on Sunday night, um, we'll, there'll be another game on Sunday. But hopefully we can uh, parade a game one victory. As always, guys. These stories are courtesy of world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com. Thanks for checking us out. Kick it over to the weekly recap. We'll see you on Sunday. As utilities switch from coal to natural gas, the Biden administration does not understand physics, permitting reform, or planning. I want to give you a shout out to the Cowboy State Daily is one of the nation's best news sources. Follow them. Uh, they're up in Wyoming. Fantastic folks. The article that they talk about says uh, they released the 681 uh, rule aimed at forcing coal and natural gas plants to uh, run nearly emissions free in the next uh, decade. They're not planning for retirement on these, and it, it's uh, in an orderly fashion, and the consumers are going to have to pay for incredibly high energy costs. And I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I can afford six or seven times higher. This is out of the Cowboy State uh, article. If the rules become final, most of Wyoming's electrical grid will need to run almost entirely on wind and solar. Trying to create a reliable energy supply running on intermittent uh, sources will be extremely difficult and costly. So if you can imagine a cowboy state, you know, up in Wyoming trying to survive on wind and solar in the winter, uh, they're not going to do it. So uh, they're going to have to have uh, the natural gas plants. Natural gas plants would have to blend natural gas with 30 percent hydrogen by 2032 and almost be entirely hydrogen filled by 2038. There's a lot of things to even think about when you're talking about creation of hydrogen putting them in the same pipes. You can, but hydrogen is a lot uh, smaller molecules and can get out of cracks that natural gas can't. So there may or may not be possible to use the infrastructure. Uh, I always was a big proponent of it, but there are some technical reasons why. And then when you sit back and take a look, also the permitting, 
permitting, we will continue to advocate for the tax incentives and sitting and permitting uh, sitting and permitting reform necessary to advance and accelerate the clean energy transition. Even wind and solar projects are being slow walked through because of um, uh, regulations. So you can retire the coal units when it's cost effective to, uh, but when is that going to be? You know, that that leaves it totally wide open. Let's move on over here to the Chevron PDC deal. This was a big purchase. Chevron PDC deal about addition, not substitution. I found this one really, really a a good article. Uh, The transition uh, transaction is a 7.6 billion all stock takeover of Denver Julesburg, the DJ Basin Specialist PDC. The deal is $7.6 billion, uh, $6.3 billion of Chevron stock issued to PDC shareholders and $1.3 billion in assumed debt. It's pretty, pretty slick. But what are they getting for that? Expected synergies, a million in annual operational uh, expenditures, 400 million in annual capital expenditures, and accredited uh, per share earnings cash flow, free cash flow, and uh, returns on capital employed. The agreed deal will literally double Chevron's exposure to the Colorado shale play, making it a top five asset in the major global portfolio. The only uh, thing I think about, I can see about this is uh, at Sandstone, we've had a lot of work with the uh, Colorado oil and gas permitting uh, environment. We've uh, been able to help PDC in some uh, permitting and uh, it, I don't know that I would want to do business in Colorado. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I think you're going to see some more mergers and you're going to see some more things going on. Hats off to Chevron, but Good luck. All right. Everybody's talking about this debt deal negotiation thing. And I think it's helpful to sort of just walk through like what's happening right now. I mean, r- right now, there's there, there's been an agreement between uh, President Joe Biden and and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. There's this Monday deadline um, next week. Yeah, it's a Monday deadline of next week in order to make sure that this all gets sanctified. So they have a little bit of time. But the key is this has to go from committee out of this, you know, the rules committee, this 13 member committee, everything comes down to a committee. Even the U.S. government, you think it comes down to committees at your job, even in the U.S. government, it comes down to committees. So we've got a committee of 13 people who then swing it out and say, okay, now we can bring it to the floor. A key Republican swing vote, Representative Thomas Massey said he was inclined to support the bill, which had been briefly imperiled earlier after two consecutive days. After two other conservatives said they plan to vote against it. So really, can it get out of committee? Can it not get out of committee? Really, again, every we're facing this Monday deadline. If it gets to the House floor, it's probably going to pass. I don't think Kevin McCarthy's going to bring anything to the floor that he doesn't think can pass. It'll then, you know, you know, if, if you go to Energy Newsbeat, you would check this article out. You know, in terms of what's happening, you'll you'll see that then the Senate will vote. They're most likely going to approve it. They do lean a little. You know, there are more liberals than are conservatives, so they will most likely approve whatever deal gets done in the House because it most likely this deal is going to favor our our, uh, Democrats in this scenario. Some interesting fallout from this deal, though, was permitting and, you know, clean energy and infrastructure reform. Remember, one of the key 
key bills that was passed by the Biden administration um, was the Inflation Reduction Act, which had an insane amount of spending on clean, you know, clean energy things that you know. When Stu and I joked about the original Porculus bill, this was the Porculus bill on steroids. I mean, some of the stuff in there. But what was what we liked about the bill was its permitting reform and its streamlined approach to say, okay, if we need all this infrastructure for clean energy, for solar, for wind, to, you know, because that's the issue. The issue is not, can we build enough solar to collect? Yeah, probably. Can we build enough wind? I don't know. How many whales you want to kill? If, you know, if, if, if you're me, might as well just kill them all at this point. Now, I say that in jest. Stu gives me a hard time about the whales. But let's just say for a fact, you could solve the problem right now with wind and solar. Well, where are you going to put it all? The battery technology, there's the grid. We've talked at length's end on this podcast, how the grid is not stable and can't, couldn't necessarily hold that. You still need that dispassable energy. So unless we want to go a nuclear route, and so I'm not going to, you know, thank goodness Stu's not here because he'd be going off on some small modular nuclear reactor scheme. We'll keep it focused on, we got to move to natural gas, got to get off coal, and we've got to use specifically the clean, you know, use things like carbon capture to be able to, to, to achieve this stuff. But again, getting the grid and upgrading the grid can go a long way into our shift into whatever clean energy future there is. Okay. So specifically, let's go to the Mountain Valley Natural Gas Pipeline. You can check this article out, energynewsbeat.com. You know, in this whole game of will the debt ceiling get moved? Will it not? Regardless of what happens, this pipeline has been included in the current deal that's sitting in Congress right now, which is critical. This 303-mile pipeline was uh, placed in the budget between U.S. President Joe Biden and Kevin McCarthy. Um, It's backed by Joe Manchin, who is a Democratic um, senator out there in West Virginia. And again, his vote is going to be heavily needed if it because the Republicans are minority in the Senate. So there's a bunch of negative court rulings. The project's been delayed. You know, the Equatus midstream, you know, they, they, they thought they were going to be able to finish it by 2013 or 2023, but their CEO had a quote that said there remains significant risk and uncertainty, including regarding and likely the litigation. So they're expecting litigation to come down. Now, if we can get this approved, it'll be very, conv- or if this debt approval moves forward, hopefully this can get streamlined, get this turned on, you know, alleviate some of that refined product issue again. This is going to alleviate gas prices. You want best thing you do for gas prices? Build pipelines in here. It's the best thing you do, and get rid of the Jones Act. But Stu's not here, so we'll just we we only get to talk about it once, and then have to go on a beat end. But I do agree. Stu was on that from the beginning. The Jones Act. You know, I, I the other thing that this that this oil price or the you know um, I sort of spilled the beans there, but before I said it, but what this debt ceiling is also impacting is oil prices. You know, we saw oil prices fall more than 4% today, uh, mainly on whether or not what's going to happen. I mean, obviously, I think we're going to pass this. The real question is what passes. And I think that's what the street is is wondering. You know, Kevin McCarthy originally came out and said, hey, there's a chance that we do a, a raise that gets us through the next presidential cycle. Well, that alleviates a lot of concern for the markets. So and we don't have to deal about this for two years. We'll just kick the can down the road two years. We'll just, we'll deal with it later. We'll do it. You do when you're five years old. You say, ah, I'll deal with it tomorrow. And then you realize, oh, well, it showed up tomorrow. It's like Friday. Do you do your work on Friday? You leave it for Monday. It ain't getting done over the weekend. So you might as well figure out the problem now so you don't have to have the problem on Monday or whatever. You know, some sort of analogy of that point where if that's what happens and we kick the can down the road to yours, great. The market's going to view that as, okay, relax. We can now, we can now chill out. We can get back to worrying about other things, get back to growth, get back to everything. If the agreement is, Hey, we're only going to go to the end of the month. We're only going to go to the end of the year. 
Well, then everybody's still on edge because it's we've just now moved the needle just a little bit forward. We haven't solved the underlying issue of what's going to happen. Congress appropriates more money than that it wants to legally be allowed to spend. I mean, the 14th Amendment is that option that's out there. It hasn't necessarily been signaled by the Biden administration that they want to go that route, but they could if they really wanted to. So um, now they've said they don't want to do that because it likely will get challenged. And you're talking about going to the Supreme Court and all this other stuff. We got to talk about what's going on in, in California. So this is something that I think got slipped through by Gavin Newsom a couple of weeks ago. And finally, today, things kind of came to a head. So about two weeks ago, Gavin Newsom at the last minute, as budget is due, by June 1st, a.k.a. Friday, he attempted to slip in 10 bills, conveniently known as QE or CEQA, which is a play on a, a, a which is a play on a, a pretty horrendous bill that has to do that. That's already made. It's basically just the name that this this climate bill that he's trying to pass has said. He basically tried to stuff 10 bills under this name CEQA in at the last minute and he tried to slip it in through the budget committee okay so today in a 3-0 vote the senate the california senate budget committee decided okay no 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 we like the idea of course they say they have to say they like the idea but even that even because we like it we can't pass this because we don't have enough time to read it here's the quote from the committee chair senate committee chair josh becker he's a democrat from san mateo quote the overwhelming agreement is that we need to build clean faster and cut the green tape that's been a legislative priority for me and will continue to be a legislative priority although today we are rejecting the governor's trailer bill proposals based on process as seven days is insufficient to vet the hundreds of pages of policy nuance in these proposals. We look forward to working with the administration on all of these critical issues. So they have to, of course, say they like it. Now, what's funny is they're giving us the impression that they're actually going to read this bill, which I'd be shocked if anyone actually read this bill. You know, again, most of this stuff is being you know, written by lobbyists. So, I mean, this has probably got Sierra's club name all over. I hope they got rid of the watermark on it. Um, so. I mean, let's just be very clear. They obviously want this to pass, but I thought it was funny and and worth it to bring up that even in California, they're not even going to let they're not going to let him slip. And this is even too much for California. They're checking Gavin Newsom have to like it, you know, because if we keep this up, that dude might be our president. And that could that's a that's a scary thought. Um, I wish I could have Stu to opine on what that would be like. But uh, thank goodness he's on assignment because he might fall out of his chair dying. Um, clean tanker demand drop weighs on U.S. golf rates. Basically, what we've seen really since the beginning of 2023 was a drop in U.S crude oil tanker shipping rates, which is really a, a a sign of profitability as these tanker rates are heavily tied to not only the price of the commodity, but the short-term future supply and demand and is arguably one of the best indicators of where prices will go. We've seen tanker rates drop substantially. Currently in 2022, we averaged about basically 950,000 per month. But to give you an idea, it's now about 713,000 per month. So you can break that down on a daily basis. Pretty insane what you pay for these takers. The point is the Gulf of New Mexico tanker has not been as profitable as it used to be. And part of the reason why export demand has faced headwinds has been basically Brazil turning away US diesel in favor of cheaper Russian supplies. I mean, that is... Unfortunately, when you create, when you put sanctions on and you're the only one abiding by the sanctions, other countries are going to take advantage. And, and Brazil's doing what Brazil should do is say, hey, we're going to be able to buy Russian refined diesel on the cheap. They're, they're importing 95,500 barrels per day of Russian diesel up from 
you know, up an average of basically 1800 barrels a day. Remember our diesel imports, or excuse me, they were averaging 1800 barrels of Russian diesel import in 2022. And in 2023, they're doing 95,000 a day. So, I mean, that's basically what a million increase in fold. Give you an idea. Brazil diesel's imports from the U.S. have fallen uh, to 75,000 barrels per day from 163,000 barrels per day um, to give, you know, they, they, they originally tried to blame, you know, the Gulf's slow sluggish performance on uh, poor refinery maintenance. You know, we did see some pretty low um, refinery utilization in last December, about 86.6%. But we've averaged about 95.4 in 2023. So you really can't use that. So it's really just, again, Brazil going on the reg and being like, yo, we're buying Russian diesel. It's cheap. Sorry, is what it is. I mean, it's 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 pretty crazy. And this is the lowest level, you know, the, the lowest level since last February, which is kind of crazy to think about. And again, it's 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 countries doing what countries are doing, looking out for themselves. You know, it'd be nice if we all played well, but you know, bricks. You know, this podcast is part of Bricks. So we we got offered to buy Russian diesel. We said no because we don't need any. But no, I'm just kidding. We, we're in Bricks Plus. So we didn't quite get the offer, unfortunately.